talk about the holiness of God and what that ought to do this morning, church, is make us see the sinfulness of man and the divide that exists between the two. And then you stop and think just how much God loved us. He's holy, we're not. There's a divide between the two. And God said, I'm going to do something about that thing. And God, the Father, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. He came to this earth born through the womb of a virgin over there in Bethlehem's manger. He lived a perfect and sinless life. And He demonstrated that He is the Son of God. Well, at the appointed time... And it was at the right time, not too soon, not too late. They took Jesus and marched him up a, up a hill and placed him on a cross. And there the God of the universe poured out his wrath upon God the Son. He took my punishment, your punishment, the wrath that I deserve, the wrath that you deserve upon himself. And bore it there and felt and, and, and experienced the, the wrath and the punishment that you and I deserved so that we wouldn't have to. Well, you know, that's pretty bad and it was pretty rough on that day. They took him down from that cross, though. They placed him in a tomb. Why'd they place him in a tomb? Because he was dead. And they placed dead people in tombs. But on the third day they went and they was going to spice up that body because you know what happens to dead bodies. After a few days them things begin to stink. Well they go and they're going to put the spices on him and all of a sudden they get there and the stone was rolled back and an angel was there and said, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here for he is risen. Well he was seen by them. He was seen by the disciples. He was seen, Paul said, by over 500 at one time, many of whom were still alive on the day Paul wrote that testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection. And because of that today, he demonstrated that he was holy. He demonstrated that he was the Son of God. And I don't know if this is most important, but it's awful important. It was a demonstration that God accepted the sacrifice, that he was a perfect sacrificial lamb for my sin, for your sin, and the sin of the world. And you may be here this morning and you say, I've never experienced that. What are you talking about, preacher? Why do you get so excited when, when we start saying, singing songs about the holiness of God and what he does for people it's because I've experienced it and you can experience it before we leave today and you can come in with a sad face and your lip drooping on the floor and go out singing the praises of God realizing that eternity is yours and it's been bought and paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ himself don't leave here today unless you've received the greatest gift that's ever been given in the history of the world, past, present, and future, and that is the gift of salvation offered in and through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I said that, oh, good gracious, I hadn't planned on all that. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter number 16. Luke chapter number 16. Of course, most of you know this passage of Scripture is a very a special passage to me because on the day that I was born again, on the day that my spirit was resurrected, on that day after so many times saying, Lord, I'll never do it again, and then finding myself hung over a toilet or laid out over a curb somewhere, puking my guts out because of the ravages of sin, God took all of that away from me and made me into a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ... Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Well, that took place for me on that day. 
I didn't know what to pray, didn't know what to say, didn't have anybody to lead me. I simply believed that Jesus loved me. He died for my sins. He rose from the grave. I fell down, humbled myself before God and said, here I am, if you'll have me. And he said, yes. But it got gooder and gooder. I didn't know at the time all he's going to do for me. But I've experienced it since then and watched how God has worked in my life. And I believe him today more than I ever have at any previous time in my life because I've watched him and seen him and experienced it. What I took by faith that day, I now know by experience that God is faithful. Well, Luke chapter 16, that's my story. One thing I do know, if you want to create an awkward conversation pretty quick, all you've got to do is start talking to people about what this chapter talks about. I mean, you bring up religion, or even more so in our day that there's only one way to heaven, and you can make some people pretty mad pretty fast. Conversation over. I'm done with you. Well, there's something else that you can bring up in our world today that gets people pretty mad pretty fast, and that is the truth. You see, there's a big squeeze going on, I guess you could say, in America today. Do you know what that big squeeze is? Well, it's something like this. Don't stick to the truth. Don't believe the truth. Compromise the truth. <coughs> Excuse me. But Jesus said something like this. I am the truth and no man comes to the father except through me now what's that me the truth the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ we ask ourselves well what is truth that question was asked of the Lord Jesus what is truth as it pertains to marriage what is truth as it pertains to alternative lifestyles Alternative sexuality. What is truth as it pertains to life? And the taking of innocent life. Where do we go to find that truth? What is truth as it pertains to creation? To salvation, to forgiveness, to heaven, to hell. And where do we go to find it? What is truth? You see, here's a lie of the devil. You can do anything you want, but don't stick to the truth. Compromise the truth. Well, today we're going to be speaking about the truth of this place called hell. As unpopular as it is, I can see and even feel the where in the world is this going to go. Well, I can tell you where it's going to go. It's going to go down that narrow road that leads to life. It's going to be the truth. And I promise you the truth will set you free. In Matthew 25, you know the scripture. It's where Jesus was uh, talking about the, you've done this to the least of my brethren. And if you've done it to the least of my brethren, you've done it to me. Um, well, if you look at the beginning of that passage, it says there's coming a, a great judgment where God will separate the sheep from the goats. Some will go into everlasting life and others will go into everlasting torment, separated from God. Well, then he tells the story of those who went out and did that. And because they 
knew him, they went out and did that. In the Bible, in Matthew chapter number 7, I'm going to read you a passage before we get into our text this morning. Thank you, Ms. Shane. Um, Jesus is speaking here. This is part of his Sermon on the Mount. And he says in Matthew 7, Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads to life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Not every person who looks gentle and meek and mild and is friendly like a sheep has your best interest at heart. Sometimes it's that red-faced preacher that gets up there and screams and hollers and makes you mad that really loves you and wants to see the best in your life. You shall know them by their fruits. Do not men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down. Hewn down, I can't even say that. That's my old East Tennessee hillbilly coming out. And cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Listen. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Jesus said when the disciples asked him to pray, he said, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can't pray for God's will to be done in heaven and then work towards God's will not to be done on earth and be a child of God on our way to heaven. Well, he says... Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, but for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. How do I know? How do I know? How do I know? that I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and that heaven's going to be my home one of these days because he gives me the strength and the power to do the will of my Father in heaven. And if I'm living a life not doing his will, if I'm promoting his, something that's not his will, if I'm uh, 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 going against what his will is according to the word of God, it's very likely that I am not a child of God and heaven will not be my home. That's why Paul said examine yourself daily 
Not every so often. Not once a month. Not twice a year. Don't go like to the doctor for an annual checkup. Daily ask ourselves where I stand in the faith. That's what Paul told us to do. That was an admonition. Well, then we come to Luke chapter number 16. I can see all the sad faces. Before it gets better, church, let me go ahead and warn you, it's going to get a little worse. Luke chapter number 16, beginning at verse number 12, the Bible records these words. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something because I just believe this is some of the most important scripture that we've read here at Zion Baptist Church. I'm going to ask everyone, if you will stand, to honor the reading of the Word of God. Luke chapter number 16, verse number 12. Um, or verse number 19, I'm, I'm sorry, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and he fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom the rich man also died and was buried. And listen to this. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Don't you let a culture, no person, no preacher tell you any different. And in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would, uh, that would come from thence. Then he said, Well, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would ascend him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. The word of God. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, remember at that time, he's saying, If they won't listen to the word of God, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let's pray. Father, I pray today that you'd take your word. God, that you would do something supernatural in our midst and amongst your people today. Father, I ask two things. Number one, that somebody would come to know Jesus as Savior. But God, number two, as we look at the truth and the reality of this place called hell, that, Father, you'd compel your people. Give us a new drive, a new desire, a new passion to reach people with the good news of the gospel so that no one would go there. Father, you told us it's not your will that any would perish, but that all men would come to repentance. And, Father, we're going to trust you to do that in 
and through your people here at Zion today and in the days to come. God, help us to speak truth in love without compromise. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. The Bible records a story here. On your little handout there, I want to add something. Mentally, between that A and story, I want you to think of the word truth. A true story of hell. Well, this man, rich, got everything he needs. Another man who's poor, don't really have anything that he needs. They both die. Well, the poor man had all that he needed for eternity. And he goes to Abraham's bosom, a metaphor for heaven. The other man... He had everything in this life but did not have what he needed for eternity and the Bible says he died and was buried and went to a place called hell. Well, after he gets there, he's suffering. The Bible uses the term tormented. And he looks across that great divide that separates him from this place called heaven and he asks Abraham, a picture of the the father in this story, uh, he first asked for mercy, then he asked for water, and then he asked for someone uh, to go to his family and warn them so that they never have to go to that eternal place of torment. I want to say something first about hell this morning. God does not send anyone to hell. Everyone in hell has went there of their own volition. They made a choice to go to that awful place. We do that by rejecting the lordship and the sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter number 3, verse number 17, the Bible tells us that God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. I want to read you a quote this morning from an old Puritan pastor. Um, his name was Richard Baxter, and he lived his life from the perspective of both heaven and hell, and he directed his church members on how to spend the day with God. And this is a quote. Let God have your first awakening thoughts. Lift up your hearts to Him reverently and thankfully for the rest enjoyed the night before and cast yourself upon him for the day which follows. Familiarize yourself so consistently to this that your conscience may check you when common thoughts shall first intrude. Think of the mercy of a night's rest and of how many that have spent that night in hell. How many in prison? How many in cold, hard lodgings? How many suffering from agonizing pains and sickness, weary of their beds and even of their lives. Think of how many souls were that night called from their bodies terrifyingly to appear before God and think how quickly days and nights are rolling on. How speedily your last night and day will come. Observe that which is lacking in the preparedness of your soul for such a time. 
and seek it without delay. A true story about hell. I want to share with you just a few things this morning about, uh, uh, about this place called hell. Number one, church, I want us to understand that hell is an eternal place. You see, God created us and, and, and breathed into us the, the breath of life. And, and once God breathed into us that breath of life and we became a, a living spirit, that spirit was destined to live forever and forever and forever and forever. Now, one of these days, my old body, it's going to get old. Well, it's already getting old. Amen. I mean, sometimes I get up in the morning, I, it takes me a good 10 minutes to, to get moving, and i got to stretch for 20 minutes to move five feet from the bed. I mean, this old body's going to get old, and it's breaking down. But my spirit will live somewhere for eternity. Well, it takes an eternal place to contain an eternal spirit. Well, there's only one of two places that my spirit's going to dwell. In a place called heaven where, where God is. Or in a place called hell where God is not. And this place called hell goes on forever and forever and forever. Now, when we think of time and we think about it, we put it within that confines. We've got some people here amongst us this morning that by human standards, they're fairly old. Now, I'm not going to call out anybody's name, so don't, don't worry, and I'm not going to call out your age. But you think about it, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. I mean, that's a long time. But it's nothing, nothing in comparison to eternity. And hell is an eternal place. So I've made some mistakes in my life. And, and then I realized, hey, I made a mistake in that thing. And I had to go back and I had to start digging myself out of that hole. And I digged a pretty deep hole and it may have took me a while. But listen, we ain't going to dig our way out of hell. It's an eternal place. And if we go there, we will never leave. Now I can't even wrap my mind around that this morning. What that must be like. The horror of spending an eternity separated from God, not only is it an eternal place, it's a place of pain. Right here in our text this morning, if we, as we read the scripture, the Bible says that he lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torments. It's a place of pain. The Bible says that there's flames there. I think I told you about this email I got from a fellow the other day. He's been going to hear one of these modern name it and claim it, feel good, good time rock and roll preachers that says you can live any way you want to. And if you pray and believe, God's going to give you a Porsche and a new car and a, a, a new home and you ain't never going to get sick and all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you what, that's not biblical. Uh, the Bible says that uh, there's coming a day when God's going to separate the sheep from the goats and the, and the ones that are not His are going to go to this place called hell and there's going to be flames there, there's going to be torment there, there's going to be uh, pain there, there's going to be separation from God there and it's going to last forever and forever and forever. 
forever, and that's a very long time. Now, people nowadays don't like to hear about that. They want some preacher that's going to get up in front of them and say, you know what, y'all are pretty good people, and God's a pretty good God, and you know, He really loves you, and He really wouldn't do anything like that. But I want to tell you what, God's holy this morning. And if He was, if He's holy, then He would not be just, nor would He be good if He allowed sin to exist in His presence. So He separates the holy from the sinful. And it's a place of pain. It's a place of fear. No doubt this rich man gets there and he sees the torment and looks and understands who God is and who he is and who he is in relationship to God. And it scares him to death. Listen, the instant we breathe our last Eternity will make a lot more sense to us. And we'll realize then, for good or bad, just how long eternity is. It's a place of fear. It's a place of sadness. In Dante's Inferno, you've heard of the, uh, his divine comedy. He describes that fictional journey, you know, of uh, going through hell and ultimately finding his way to heaven. But in the Inferno section of that Dante's comedy or his divine comedy he describes the sign above the portal of hell and here's what he uh, how he describes the sign I believe it's pretty accurate abandon hope all you who enter here you see hell is a place of sadness no hope equals no chance for a future no happiness Hell is a place of isolation. There's no record in the Bible, no record in this story of the rich man, of there being fellowship among the lost in hell. I've heard people say, well, I'll just go to hell with my friends and we'll have a good time there. No, no, no. You will have no friends in hell. Listen, uh, in hell, the man that is there, he's not looking for who he can fellowship with. This rich man that's not named, what, he's praying. He's saying, somebody go tell my five brothers lest they come here. They're not partying. They're not living it up there. Uh, I would say this. For the person in hell, the last thing they would want to see is somebody else there. And if we understood it the way God knows it, the last thing we would want is to see somebody go there. Hell is a place of separation. Never a good morning, never a good night. Why? Because they're in hell. A place of isolation, separation, loneliness, sadness, pain, eternal. Why? When somebody gets mad at somebody, do they say to them, go to hell? You stop and think about that. If we understood... Hell is the way God understands it. That term would never come out of somebody's mouth. The awfulness of that place, the separation of that place. I don't want to see anybody go there. It's a place of sadness, separation, loneliness, pain. But y'all need to smile. I want to share with you a few good things about hell this morning. You see... How are you going to wrap all this up in a few minutes? Uh, there's more long faces in here. I'm going to tell you what. We think we was at a funeral. 
How are we going to wrap all of this up? Well, I'm going to tell you about some good things about hell. There are some good things. There's good people in hell. In this story we read about this morning, this rich man was a good man by all human accounts. I mean, the Bible says he was clothed in purple uh, and fine linen. He was rich and that he fared sumptuously ever every day. You know what that means? He was clothed in purple. I've told you this before. The only people who wore purple in the days that Jesus was speaking this was a king or a priest. Well, he was no king because there's no king in Israel during this time. That tells me he was a priest. He was a religious man. He would have been held up as the pillar of morality in his community. Not only that, you stop and think about that. We give him a bad rap about old Lazarus because Lazarus was eating crumbs at his, uh, at his gate uh, when he was so poor. But let me ask you this. You go home today and you see some bum sitting in your driveway that's got all torn up clothes looking like he just got off crack cocaine, ain't took a bath in three days, and see if you let him sit in your front door and eat the crumbs. Or you call the police and get him run off. You see, this rich man gets a bad rap a lot of times. He was letting, sit, letting him sit there and eat the crumbs which fell from his table. You see, there's good people in hell. And that's something that all of us need to know. Our goodness will not get us to heaven. Now, the Bible says compared to Jesus and the glory of God, there's none good. But according to a human standard, there is. And we hear people all the time say, oh, something like this. Well, he was such a good person. Well, our goodness won't get us to heaven. Only perfection will get us there. And we can only attain that through the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there's good vision in hell. The Bible says in verse number 23, And being in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side. His vision was so good, he could see what he was missing. There's uh, people that are in hell and everything that they've missed, they will be able to see and they will be aware. Well, I've got to move on. There's good prayers in hell. The Bible says he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this flame. There's good prayers in hell. Imagine what would have happened if he had prayed that prayer on the other side of eternity. Father, have mercy on me. Well, there are no atheists in hell. That I can guarantee you. And there's good prayers going on in hell today. Good memory is in hell. Son, Abraham said, remember that during your life you received your good things just as Lazarus received the bad things, but now he's comforted and you're in torment, you're in agony here. When it comes to memory, uh, there's going to be some good memories in hell. He remembered, he's conscious, he's uh, aware of all that had taken place. As a matter of fact, there's people in hell today that are sitting in hell and they remember being in a service just like this where some old crazy preacher got up and told them that there's a place called hell and they don't have to go there. And, and they're there in hell today and every single day from now to eternity they're hearing that old crazy preacher that they got mad at on that day because preachers nowadays ain't supposed to talk about this thing called hell. And, and they got mad at it, but they remember that day. And from now on, 
all throughout eternity, they say, you know what, I had a chance that day. That preacher invited me to come and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, and I don't have to be here. And I got mad at him when I should have got mad at myself for being a sinner separated from God. And I rejected the Lord Jesus, and I had that chance that day to receive him. Well, there'll be all of those memories flooding back in hell. Well, i got to hurry. There'll be good theology in hell. How did a man in hell know that in order not to go, you needed to repent? He said, send them back, my brothers, uh, and tell them. And, but if one went from the dead, they will repent. Um, Philippians chapter number 2, everyone on the earth, everyone in heaven, everyone under the earth will bow and say that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There'll be good theology in hell. We'll understand what God thinks about it and what it takes to go to heaven or hell. The Adolf Hitlers, the mass murders. Nobody says, hey, they went to heaven. No, what's said is, hey, there's a special place in hell for people like them. You know what all of us really think if we're honest? Now let's just get real. We're a family this morning. Let's be 100% honest this morning. You know who's in hell? Everybody who's a little worse than me. Amen. That's what we all think and we don't like to admit it. But listen, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's good theology about heaven, hell, who man is and who God is in that place. There's good priorities in hell. Father, he said, then I beg you to send him to my father's house because I've got five brothers to warn them so that they won't come to this place of torment. Listen. Church, let's don't let the population of hell be more concerned about people coming there than we are. Let's open up the door and see it for what it is and be concerned that we don't want anybody to go to that awful place. He said testify to them, tell them, lest they come. He wanted to, to warn them. He had five brothers that he was praying for. How many of our family members do we pray for each day so that they wouldn't go to that awful place? You see, there's good priorities in hell. There's people that I talk to every day that will stand up and profess that Jesus Christ is Lord and they'll find everything and anything they can do to keep from serving Him through the people of God. They won't come to church when the doors is open and they won't leave the church and serve Him in the name of the church for the glory of Jesus Christ. Why? Their priorities are wrong and it's possibly because they don't know Him. Number seven, am I done? Possibly the worst good thing in hell. There's good intentions there. You see... Um, one can reject Christ through outright rebellion. I was telling Kevin the other day, uh, the whole time we've done 2020, I've had one person cuss me, slam the door in my face. One, only one. Out of all the doors we went and knocked on. It's not been my experience that outright rebellion, uh, you know, somebody says, I don't care if I go to hell, I don't care what you say. Not, not many people say that, no. Most people have good intentions. You see, one can deny and refuse the Lord Jesus Christ through apathy, indifference, procrastination, and even ignorance. Well, hell is full of people that never intended to go there. They had good intentions. You say, well, preacher, what's people have to do? Well, the Bible's pretty clear. Repent of your sins. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Our sins send us to hell because they've, if they've never been dealt with. So, 
Ask Jesus to forgive those sins. Ask God to grant you eternal life. And then, and I, and I think this is one of the things that's left out in our modern day theology, though it's, there's no theology like this in hell. Let Jesus be Lord of our life. You see, it's not just enough to take Him as Savior. We must also receive Him as Lord. So do those things and then as the creator of the universe, He's not a fire escape. If He's Lord of our life, He can be Savior of our life and we would never have to go to that awful place. Well, the Bible says in Matthew 25 that hell was not prepared for us. But Jesus said in John chapter 14 that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Well, you know the story. Thomas said, Lord, if you go and prepare the place, how do we know the way? How do we get there? And Jesus said, well, Thomas, let me just explain this to you. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. So what's that tell me? That means that if Jesus says it's right, I've got to say it's right. If Jesus says it's wrong, I've got to say it's wrong. If Jesus says do it, then I've got to start to try to do it. If Jesus says not to do it, then I'm to try not to do that thing. You see, He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. It's no longer my way, it's no longer, listen, don't you ever listen to this lie out of the pits of hell, my truth. It's either truth or it's a lie. It's His truth. His way and His life or there is no way. Amen. So, you can spend an eternity in a place that was not made for you or we can spend eternity in a place that was made for us. It all depends on what we do with Jesus. So my question this morning is, would you repent? Would you pray? Could you say this morning, Pastor Keith, I don't know if I walked out of this room and died before I got to hear you again, but I'm 100% certain that I would go to heaven. Well, my challenge is settle that thing right now, this morning, once and for all and forever. Say something like this, I want to repent this morning, place my faith in the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let Him be Lord of my life. If that's your desire, would you ask Him right now? Would you settle that thing right now? Would you make 100% certain that you'll not go to this awful place that I've described this morning that was made for the devil and those that rebelled against God, but not for man? Would you say to your husband or your wife, Come with me, I want to get saved this morning. Child, would you say to mom and daddy, mom and daddy, I don't understand all of it, but I, I want to go to heaven and I want a relationship with Jesus. Would you, would you go with me? I'm a little scared. Would you, would you go with me and help me come to this place that I, I put my faith and my trust in the Lord Jesus? Would somebody have the courage to come down and say, Preacher, I know I've been coming to church, but 
Man, I want to go all in today. Could you help me do that? I, I, I've, been, I've been living in such a way I got one foot over here on one side of the fence, but boy, I'm stretching as far as I can to keep one foot out in the world. And I'm tired of that. I want to stop. Commit it all today. Dear saint of God, did, did, let me ask you, did you get a picture of hell this morning? Was it pretty clear? I, I mean, I know that was an exhaustive study of what hell's like. Well, if you got that picture, do you understand why it is so important to reach that one this morning so that they don't have to go there? Well, would you come this morning and pray for a renewed commitment, a renewed drive to reach that one with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now, everybody in the room. I don't normally do this. Church, you know this. I'm going to ask everyone here to bow your heads. I'm going to ask everyone, nobody looking around. Nobody, I want every head bowed, please, in the, in the place. And I'm going to say this. If you're here this morning and you're not 100% certain that heaven is your home, I, I'm going to ask you to pray a, a prayer with me. Uh, if you mean it, if you don't mean it, please don't pray. Uh, but... Remember, if, if you pray this prayer, you're not talking to me. You're, you're talking to God. And it's not really the words that matter. It's, it's what's going, going on in your heart. But I'm going to ask you, if you're not 100% certain, I'm going to ask you to pray something like this. You can repeat it after me silently. You can repeat it out loud. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. But I believe you died on the cross and took the punishment for my sin. I believe you rose from the grave. So now I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Give me Eternal life, I pray. Your Lord, so help me from this day forth to live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving a sinner like me. Now you may be here and you're a saint. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. And maybe you've still not went all in on this who's your one. But maybe, just maybe this morning as we painted a picture of what hell is like, you said, man, I don't want anybody I know to go there. I'm going to ask you to pray something like this. Dear Jesus, your word says that hell was not made for man. Heaven is made for man. Forgive me, Lord, for not being concerned about where people go. But, but help me today to be concerned like I have never been before. And then give me the courage to just simply tell the truth. To step out 
and to speak what thus saith the Lord so that no one can go to hell saying they were not warned by me. Help me to do that, Lord. I commit today to reach that one so that he doesn't or she doesn't have to go there. In Jesus' name.